listening to the Medic Materials Podcast, hosted by Mike Turek, Emily Yates, Kelsey Coons, and Gerard Cuomo. All are current EMS providers and educators with a combined 30 years experience. Each month, we discuss EMS news, medical science, and review actual EMS calls, bringing many educational opportunities to the listener. Portions of the calls have been altered to protect the privacy and identity of all involved. Hello and welcome everyone back to the Medic Materials Podcast. I want to know, Kelsey, was that you that just squealed or was that Gerard? That was Gerard. That wasn't me. I have myself muted, but I'm not talking in case like a cat tries to take me out or something. Oh, those evil cats. <laughs> They're awful. <laughs> well, I'm very happy that both of you are, are with us. Uh, Kelsey, welcome back. You're not at the table, but you're still via Skype. So, again, welcome back. It's been a long time. Thank you. It is good to be back. <laughs> um, Gerard, you are not at the table anymore, but that's okay. I, I was going to be, but it's quite okay. Late. Life yeah. gets in the way at times, you know, it just it is what it is. Uh, but uh, we are joined with a very special guest today. Uh, Phil, you're joining us for the first time. However, what is awesomely important about you is you are, I'm pretty sure, the longest-running fan of this show that we have. Maybe. I, like, this he, man, he definitely is definitely the biggest fan that we've right? got. This man has okay. listened to every single free episode, every single Patreon episode. Like, you are the fan. So, yeah. fuck yeah that you're here. That's awesome. Right on. Um, right on. So... Uh, today's going to be a little bit different in the way that I prepared for this episode. So we're going to be doing a, a generalized discussion, and um, I want to talk about a topic that is uh, near and dear to Gerard and I's souls and consciences and everything in this, in this industry. Um, and we preach it, and recently now I have... Uh, experience the full scope of this sort of call. And I think it's it's worth touch base on, uh, you know, the, the topic and the operational aspect of MCIs. But before oh, that... Oh, I thought we were going with Canceled and Root. Sorry. What was, what was that? I said I thought we were going with Canceled and Root, but okay. Oh, <laughs> I mean that too. The that's actually no patient found. that's actually happened a few times. Uh, <laughs> okay, the no patient founds unless quite literally what happened to me the other day, which is some lady walked into the station and went, "Um, do you guys know how to check a pulse?" And I was like, "Yeah, why?" And she went, "Well, my friend's unresponsive <laughs> at the bottom of the hill, ma'am. What hill? She tears out of the parking lot before we can follow her. Never calls nine one one. That is the definition of no patient found." Yeah, right. Like. Because quite literally, there were cops everywhere in the town, the bottom, the top of the hill, and nobody could find anything. That's crazy. Oh. Um, that's, that's, that's when you go to church the next day and you go, thank you, Jesus. Right? I'm, right? I'm pretty convinced it was like an OD situation. They gave Narcan. It didn't work. She tore off. Her friend was then breathing. And then, Never then called nine one one. Yeah, jumping boogied out of yep. there. See ya. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But... Yeah, bounce for the police come. <laughs> Where my milk? Come here, mama. Give you the milk. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, uh, you know, typically 
with with the discussions that we have on this show, I usually have, you know, a plethora of leading questions that I, you know, I tend to prepare and I'm going completely off the cuff on this one. So I'm I'm more preparing like Gerard. So Gerard should really lead this cuz he is like the aficionado of off the cuff. So if you guys are able right. to follow Wouldn't me. Your episode nope. Yep. Okay, let's do it. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure I'm going to buzz the crap out of myself tonight, but that's okay. So before we get into Kelsey's rig check, since we haven't had one in like, I don't know, two and a half months, now that mm. she's back, I'm we, sorry. Can, we can have the rig check. Uh, I wanted to uh, do something special for Miss Kelsey's return. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, and new paramedic champion of the world. We want to say congratulations to uh, our now no longer paramedic intern, Kelsey, who is now Uh, a... Can I still just be a baby paramedic? Nope, nope. (laughs) Nope. Congratulations. You you have earned the right to be a paramagician like the rest of us <laughs> on this show. So well, you, thank you guys. I could not have done it without you. you. You should be very proud of yourself, and I'm sure this whole table is very proud, and I'm sad that Emily could not be here to uh to now be the sole only EMT stakeholder on this show. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she's she's holding pulling a lot of weight, and she's not even here. I know, right? Like, God, she's gonna now drill us even harder. Oh yeah, oh, I man, know. I'm oh yeah, by a bunch of dickhead paramedics. <laughs> I'm saying it now. I'm in that group. Yeah, exactly. Now you're in that group. <laughs> Can I go back? No. <laughs> nope. Should have gone to law school. <laughs> Should have gone to law school. Uh, you say so- that ironically. There was a lawyer in my paramedic class. That's actually kind of cool. That is. Yeah. I, yep. I got I got to give him props for that one. Um, yep. All right. Pause for a second because my wife is calling me. Hi, Hello. Jess. Hello. <laughs> uh, so, Kelsey, go ahead with your rig check. So, hey, guys. First off, I do want to say on this rig check, it has been a while since I've done this. So I've missed all of you guys, both my co-hosts and definitely the listeners. So I'm very glad to be back. And partially due to my fault and my terrible ability to, you know, work too much. uh, We do want to thank you guys for bearing with us. We're getting back on track with recording and we're going to get these episodes out to you in our normal manner. Um, normal episodes on the 1st and the 15th of every month and then the Patreon episodes the third week of every month. So thank you again for bearing with us. We want to say good luck to all the paramedic and EMT students out there beginning class. Um, we pretty much asked everybody on the show and our biggest advice to you is to know your anatomy, take your time and stay, stay humble. You probably know absolutely nothing, but just a little bit more than you think you do. And just always remember that how the media portrays us is not what we do getting into this know that about 80 percent of our job is hand holding it's not the life-saving going under cars running into burning buildings that everybody thinks that we do so good luck out there 
No, I'm sorry. Oh, man. Heart. I want to know the last time that an EMT ran into a burning building. Like, <laughs> Never. Damn. There's a reason they're not we a go. firefighter. We go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <right>. we, <laughs> we just want to say good luck out there. If you want a little bit more insight, always feel free to reach out to us. But go look at our December 1st, 2020 episode, Life Lessons for the New Provider. And our August 1st and August 15th episode, So You Want to Be a Paramedic. And then today we're going to shout out our listeners in Angola and Arkansas, as well as our newest Patreon, Brent. So thank you guys for always supporting us and get ready for what's about to happen. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's been like a new Patreon every freaking episode. Like yeah. this past, like three or four episodes. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, wow. uh, the, the right Patreon on. has, so one of the, one of the coolest things that I get to see, uh, initially and then share it out with you guys is, Um, you know, the, like if I post, you know, the announcement of a brand new episode on the first or the 15th or the 23rd or whatever, um, you know, I get to see the comments on it and I get to see who shares it and this, that, the other thing. And what I've noticed is there is a core group of people out there and I'm not going to name names, but you, you guys know exactly who you are that consistently, yeah, (laughs) that consistently talk about and share and plug this show better than I do. And, um, it is, it is phenomenal. And one of the coolest things was last month when, when, um, uh, or, you know, two, three weeks ago, whenever it was that, uh, our new, you know, our new Patreon, Mike signed up, he sent me a, a, you know, a message right then and there that was like, dude, you guys are awesome. Like I'm learning so much. I'm advancing my career. And it was just, it was awesome. And then, Literally, another guy shared the show and was like, listen, everybody that I know in EMS needs to listen to these people. And literally, like, two days later, we got another Patreon. I don't know if that was, you know, um, if those two, you know, things were linked. But even, you know, when I reached out for for just saying, like, hey, thank you for sharing that, um, you know, that dude was even like, yeah, I listened to you guys at the start of paramedic school. I listened to you throughout paramedic school and I fell in love with you guys. Keep it up. So it really is a humbling experience to know that people really resonate with what we're doing. And like I've said to you, Gerard, many times, it took us a long time. Like you go back and you know, this Phil listening to episode one through probably 20 is hard it's really really hard and you know it's a little rough (laughs) so many people still listen to those because i get the numbers and so many people still listen to those and i'm just like please bear with us like once episode 20 gets there the production value goes up and we really find a foothold in how we want to run this show and our format and just we've gotten so much better at being hosts and ourselves on this show and i think it's you know it resonates with who listens i mean phil so first off you're the you're like the biggest fan of the show i mean you were saying to me just when you got here that you have bad calls or bad shifts what do you do you listen to us on the ride home that's stupid like that, that well, to me is like, I wish I just cringed a little knowing that like, I am the inspiration to Phil's life when something goes wrong. And that, that worries me just a little bit because I'm just starting out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm Gerard still about definitely... passing around a single microphone. Bunk room. <laughs> Gerard right? definitely plugged 
a nice cold, stone cold, broken cold skull steel. IPA. Ah, nice. <laughs> that was great. awesome. That was one hundred percent greatness, Phil. <laughs> like once you st- once you guys started like you know saying it all the time on the podcast, I'm like, well, I guess I gotta go what? get one. Did you try it? Oh, I did. It wasn't it good? It was delicious. It was. Fr- I hate beer, and I drank it, yeah. and I was like, "This fucking shit is good." <laughs> right? It's because the freaking Steve Winder, you know, had a little. You know, there's a little something in there, you yeah. know, a little something extra. Mm-hmm. A little bit of you, you know, know Texas rattlesnake in there. Texas rattlesnake. <clears throat> you know, knee brace. <laughs> you know. Jock strap. Strap sweat, yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So just you know, a, a a very humbled, you know, true to true to form. Thank you to everyone who continues to listen to this show. And uh, you know, it is it is such an amazing experience just to be able to do it. Um, you know, with awesome providers and awesome friends, and you know, I I couldn't I could not be more happy as to where this show came from and now is going it's, it's just amazing so uh with that i am going to transition into our topic today and um i want to specifically talk about mcis mass, ca- mass casualty incidents and um gerard you know y- you have history in uh this kind of call which is why you and i started um, the MCI class that, that we offer into our, our EMT students. Um, and yep. then recently, um, I went through a, uh, large scale actual MCI, uh, in my service area. And that was my first real experience in doing, you know, a more than like, you know, four people in a, in a car and you only got one ambulance kind of MCI that lots of people have done those, like what I call micro MCIs. They are overwhelming to the current system, but they're not like your 25 patient rollover, whatever, you know, or sinking boat or whatever it might be. Whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, now that I have experienced a incident, that could have been way more serious than it was. Um, you know, I wanted to talk, you know, deviate from the original topic that we were going to talk about today and, and plug this because I think it's something that we have to think about. And one of the things that, again, this is very fresh in my mind is the operational aspect of an MCI is out of this world. Like, Care is one thing, but operations is the soul of the MCI. And if you fuck up on the operations and the logistics, your MCI is fucked from the beginning. And a lot of that has to do with coordination, but it all starts with one provider doing triage. And I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts as to, you know, that kind of setup, like, triaging at an MCI, how do you go about it? How important so, do you guys like feel it is? And we'll expand from there. As the person who's never been in the MCI before, but um, I feel like my program actually did a really great job of doing MCIs 
mind you, uh, they didn't do, like, you know, half the class is dead bodies. Um, They actually gave us, like, Barbie dolls that were all in different situations. And the first thing that we were supposed to do is we had 30 seconds with each Barbie. And we didn't know, you know, it basically, most of us were all just going off gut feeling, how would we tag this person? Um, And, you know, some of them were right, some of them weren't right. And then we went through and... In our area, we use the smart triage tags. Now, I don't know if that's a nationwide thing or if it's just in our area, but there's actually a little card in there um, that shows you, and it, for all purposes, takes the emotion right out of it. And obviously, like, there are some factors with, like, you know, I've got, when it comes down to things, like, I've got two red tag patients, but one of them is a prolonged extrication, so we're probably not going to get to them in a while, and that's a little bit later down the road. But by following the exact flowchart of the system, it honestly helps you take the emotion out of everything. And at least you get your initial triage done way faster than you were. I mean, nobody likes to black tag the dead baby. But sometimes when you have 30 other people, it is something you're going to have to live with. And by following the exact protocol system, it almost takes the decision out of your hand. I have to agree in that, like... In doing the MCI, um, you know, I did all the triage for the scene. And that was, I did not lay a hand on a single patient and provide any care. It was dictate orders to the masses of first responders and providers. That's all it was. And I'll tell you, and I told you, Gerard, on the phone when you and I talked about this afterwards, um, I would be lying horrifically through my teeth if I said on the way there I was not outside of my comfort zone going okay I'm going in with this many reported patients you know and it was well over 10 so now I'm like okay this is I've never done this before in this large scale of a thing you know um where where do I even start and it's like Gerard literally popped into my head from this show. And this is another thing why I love doing this because even though we are established providers, we all learn things and we learn things from each other. So like Gerard lives rent free in my head a lot. And I, I, and he knows this and it's creepy, but he does because the entire time I was driving to the scene, I was thinking, don't touch anybody just do triage resource and, and management was, because that's what gerard preaches <laughs> and, and, and really like you know like once you told me where you you know i remember what you know it was like my first question was are you at work or are you doing this with your fire department right. and you you know one word work so i'm like okay so now i know what his role is going to be and and I know just the fact that you're texting it to me, you're not comfortable because you never would have just been like, Hey, guess what? You know, guess what I'm going to, you right. know, right. You just do your call and we talk about them some other day. Yep. So that's when I kind of like was like, all right, well, let me, let me, let me, you know, let me grab my whistle and my hat and <laughs> put on my freaking, my tall socks and I'll be the coach for a second. And Ooh, yeah. yeah. It was the last thing I freaking texted back to you. I said, resource management. Yep. That's all you need to think about right now. Yeah. Resource management. 
And it was funny because I did not get that text. Like, oh, see, really? I, so I got oh, it. Yeah. But All of right. course, I, did, I didn't see it, right? No, li- just just hear me out. Mm. I didn't, because I was driving by that point, and I was coming up to the scene, so I wasn't looking at my phone anymore. And then the phone went in the pocket. And about yeah. halfway through all of this coordination, there was a period of lull. And I was like, okay, what time is it? Because I had, like, like you had lost track of time on your MCI. I had completely yeah. lost track of time on mine. And I was like, I don't know if I've been here seven minutes or, like, 80. I have no idea how long it's been. So I pulled it out just to, and I clicked on my phone just to look at the time on the front screen, and I could see resource management, blah, 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 blah. And, and that's when I read it was mid-MCI in this lull, oh. and it got me like, all right. That's what I've been doing this entire time. And, yep. and it, was a, it was a reassurance. So it was good that I didn't get it beforehand. I, at least in my opinion, I think, you know, it was, it was supposed to be seen when it was, you know, because, again, yep. it, it made it easy for the rest of the, the time I was there, you know. But, Phil, yep. I mean, in, in your opinion, like, where's triage on your scale? I, I think it's number one. Um, so I've, I don't have the pleasure of working in a fly car system where you get on scene with another ambulance and there's three people now, it's only you and your partner. So the way I see it is if there's say 10 patients, I'll take this five, you take this five meet in the middle. Yeah. I have, I got one red tag and all five of yours are red tag and then go from there. Um, and in my opinion, I think the person with the most experience should establish command. I mean, if I'm working with like with you, I'm going to hand that little EM, EMS command vest over to you and say, Hey, I didn't wear a vest, <laughs> but I also think, especially when it comes to EMS command. So say you show up on scene and you've got a, you know, you're the first paramedic on scene and the only other person who's on scene is some 16 year old volley firefighter. And he is doing a bang up job at EMS command. Cause he studies MC like nemesis and all the ICS stuff that you have to study. And he, that's his, that's his groove. He loves that stuff. That's why he joined the fire department was cause he likes to learn about that. And that 16 year old is doing a bang up job. Okay. You do it. Less things that I have to do. So I think if the person who's in charge is doing it, even if they're not the most seniority, let them leave it because the system's working. Yeah. And, you know, I have to agree with that in. Okay. Who's got the feedback loop on Skype? Is anyone like. I mean. Because I can hear myself, which is weird. I don't ever hear. You guys just fine. I know she muted herself. Okay, now I don't hear it. Maybe it's maybe it's you because I only hear it when you're talking, Kelsey. It might be when I'm unmuted. You can hear it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, I don't even remember where I was going with this. I think it's when she's muting herself yeah. for whatever reason. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, you know when when I look back and Gerard, you and I had very different experiences, and I want to touch base a little bit. Don't divulge too much, you know, with with what happened in the systems and stuff like that. But, um, you know, we kind of talked about it on the phone in that 
our systems were so different in the resources that were available to you and me. And, you know, when, when you were on scene of yours, it was kind of like the, the surrounding area was crickets and you just was like, everything come to me because that's all you had. And, and literally like the floodgates opened up on mine and I could not, uh, I could not believe how many ambulances from like four different counties showed up. It was nuts. And it was, I, you know, I didn't handle the logistics of that. I, I gave that to fire fire handled, um, the LZs and the helicopters that I had called. And then, um, uh, the County EMS car showed up and they handled the logistics of how many people can go to which hospital, how many people like can go in which ambulance, this, that, the other thing. And, us three working together was great because I could be like, all right, I have a red tag. It needs to get flown. How long is it to the flight gets here? Okay, that's way too long. I have an ambulance. Cool. Here's a paramedic. Go. Load and go. See you later. Go to the trauma center. And yeah. it worked out really well. But, like, in systems that you are all by yourself, how does that compare? Like, you know, in your case, Gerard. Because well, I'm, sure I'm sure there's – places out there that are rural just like oh, we yeah. are and they don't Especially have that. right yeah. they don't have that so how do they prepare i mean like i know for, I know for me you know you get there and you, you know you're, you're so for me all i had was um i was the only paid uh i don't know i think i was the only, yeah i was the only paid provider there the rest was all volunteer um find out a couple years later there, there may have been uh, a couple of uh people that responded pov that were actual you know professionals but um they were plain clothes and i never knew who they were or where they were or what they were doing um and plus they were with their fire department anyway so it wouldn't have mattered because uh, all the fire department response here is all bls um so yeah i mean you show up you're the only paramedic and you know, this isn't just, you know, three people in a car, uh, you know, with one ambulance. It's, you know, it's pretty freaking significant. And, you know, you're in your head, you're thinking, OK, I'm going to follow all the rules. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to, you know, black tag, red tag, you know, yellow tag is going to be great. You know, I, 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 I know all the rules. And then you get there and what you have doesn't fit in the fucking rule book. And you've got, you know people yelling at you for different things, you know, wanting you to come there because they've got somebody they just extricated and they think that it's somebody that's viable and worth looking at. And you get there and, you know, they've long since expired. They're not, there's no hope whatsoever. Um, and then you got to tell them that. And then, you know, you have other people yelling for you to do other things and you're trying to keep in your head. Okay. I'm here to triage. So you get there and you start doing, you know, the triage thing and you're keeping in your head okay i'm gonna have to establish some kind of a command system here and all that and then man at some point you know after i know for me personally after you know i made the call for what i needed i said i need more ambulances more als ambulances and i need helicopters and send me everything you got and that was the last time i was on the radio because then it dawned on me that uh after triaging a few uh 
people, the, um, you know, and I realized it wasn't getting any better that I said, yeah, I mean, in my brain, I, I switched off from triage and incident command and ICS and all this stuff. And I looked to my left and there was somebody with an incident command vest on. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go to paramedic mode and I'm going to start working on somebody yeah. and try to just say somebody. Cause this just ain't looking so fucking good. Right. And, uh, yeah. And that's what we did. And, uh, so yeah, so the, I never had my little triage bag with all my little tags. I didn't have any of that shit. I didn't have a vest. Uh, but I put my gloves on while I was doing a hundred miles an hour. So thankfully I got out of the truck and I had gloves on. Um, but, I did uh, too. I didn't carry anything, but I put gloves on for whatever reason. Right? And then I never <laughs> right. touched a soul and I kept you know, them on I mean, for a while until I was like, why do I have these on? And I ripped them off. <laughs> I mean, I did end up with a, uh, with a redheaded shadow who was a, uh, a sheriff's deputy who I basically, I, first thing I did when I got there, I spiked a bag. And, uh, while I was listening to, you know, what, I, what they were telling me, um, and while they were talking to me, I, you know, they were still trying to cut and gain access, uh, to the, the main compartment. And, you know, I spiked a bag and I, there was a deputy standing and I said, here, hold this. Don't let that touch the ground. And he literally followed me like Frankenstein with those two <laughs> things out the whole time, all the way back to the ambulance with the, with the patient I ended up working on. And he was seeing, I was like, Hey, there you are. Good. Give me that. That's phenomenal. <laughs> you know, and, oh. and yeah, and it was a, it was a, it was a similar, but very different experience with, with me in the fact that, you know, there were people that had shown up that were providers, firemen, BLS, first responders, whatever ambulances that had shown up just before me. And they went to, I'm working on the worst patient first mode which was great because that elite, like that gave me the opportunity to do just triage. And I, I like, I felt bad because there were a bunch of providers that looked at me and were like, okay, this person needs this. And I'm like, cool, bro. Like do it. If it's out of your scope, I'll get you a paramedic when I get one. And I moved on. So like, because yeah, I mean, uh, it was because I knew I had the resources coming. Like I well, knew that I had bit. multiple ALS units coming behind me that I could boom. One shows up. Okay. Go here. Second one shows up. Okay. Go over there. And I didn't yeah, have only, to play the dual role, you know, um, yeah, the only ALS unit that was reported to me that was going to be en route was 30 minutes away. Yeah. And that's a and long then whatever, time. And, and whatever was coming by helicopter. Right. So, in my mind, it was like, you know, I, I now had to, I, I literally, I switched off. I switched off from, you know, triage and all that. Cause I, I did, I triaged as many as I possibly could just checking pulses and that kind of stuff. And, you know, nothing was, nothing was looking good and nothing I would have, you know, wanted to, you know, even try to remove at that point in time. Cause it was just so much to get to them. And you know, the easiest one to get to just happened to be the the one that was actually the most viable. And that's when I changed over. I said, you know, the fire, whoever the fireman was that had his little incident command hat on, I was like, you know what? That's all you, baby. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to work. Yeah. That's and, also uh, another thing to think of, like, especially as a medic. At that point in time, you're the highest level of care. Even if you get your initial triage done and then you turn it over and you're like, you know, seven of my patients need needle darts and I'm the only one that can do it. Like... That's a first step intervention that 
you can only you can do and you only say you have two EMTs with you. Make one of the EMTs be incident command. Make them orchestrate which hospitals to go to. Like today's the day, but I know we learn more about it in paramedic school. But at this point, I've done the initial triage and these patients have a higher chance when I do X, Y, Z than they do if I don't. Yeah. And, you know, it all goes full circle because triage doesn't just stop once. Yeah, you have to keep redoing it. You know, I, I, I mean, triage is around and around and around circle. You do it once and then somebody new pops up or they change. They go from yellow to red or red to yellow or green to red or whatever. And right. it's like, okay, well, um, I'm just going to keep making the rounds, you know? So, yeah, even even if you take that, Kelsey, and go, okay, you're in charge for five minutes. This is what I'm doing. Continue to do it and report any changes. I'm going to dart these six people and then take it over again, you know, it, it's kind of a Wild West atmosphere. Yeah. Because there are rules and there are standards, but then there aren't. You know, like, you kind of have to let the situation dictate how you're going to provide the best possible care and get everyone off the scene. You know, and I'll tell you, Gerard, <laughs> it was funny. You and I almost requested the helicopters the same way. <laughs> Because uh, I request, so I, I got on scene and they, and I had asked uh, our county dispatchers, do you have a aircraft coming? Have, have they already been dispatched? Because I wasn't aware that they were already dispatched. And they came right. back and they said, uh, there is one aircraft, they're this far away, they're going to do, you know, an in-air standby like they would because of distance, and they're going to start right. heading. I was like, Awesome. Have them start, like, have them launch, start coming. Um, and then what did I say? I said, uh, check for availability and launch every other one that accepts. Right. And I was yeah. like, I don't care if every single, all 12 aircraft in the entire state come to me. Let's Absolutely. go. Let's go. I'll cancel them as I need them. Like, stack yep. them up in the sky like fucking broken arrow. Like, I don't care. Right. You know? Yep. <laughs> And, and while you're at it, send the fixed wing over to the local airport. Exactly. You know? Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, no, but mean, it, it really, it really is about logistics and operations. Well, right. the it, thing too it, about it, like everyone stepping on Gerard, let Gerard talk. Let Gerard. Sorry. You're like, you, you don't want to end up in that position where, you know, you, you need something and then you're like, well, shit, I don't have it. And I need to call for it now. No, you want to call for it early. And like I said, like for me personally, like when I had, when I was doing mine, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, did I do everything right? Probably not. I don't know. You know, but I do know that when I realized the totality of what I was dealing with, that the only, you know, and real, and honestly, I mean, I, it was nothing, but, you know, I knew I was, for the time being, I was only going to have volunteer BLS uh, crews at least for the next 30 minutes or more uh, while that one ALS unit was you know, heading my way. Um, so yeah, that was the point when I realized, you know what? Yeah. Broken arrow, send me all the fucking helicopters you can send me. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that I, you know, time is very, um, you know, it, your perception of time really fluctuates throughout life. You know, if you're waiting for, you know, a big event to happen, it always goes slower. 
You know, you always yeah. feel like, oh, that same amount of time is going to, it's just dragging on, right? I'll tell you that they gave me two, uh, two uh, initial ETAs for helicopters. And they, in no senses of the term, were they long. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, we'll see you in 90 minutes, you know? Mm. But my God, it, it felt it feels like, like forever. forever. And I would I look at the, I'd look at the, uh, the fire chief and he'd be like, you still want him coming? And I'm like, what's the ETA? And he would tell me like, it was only six minutes ago. And I'm like, fuck, this is forever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. And it's, it's we're like, you know, and again, in in my case, it was, I mean, I, I I don't want to say I rolled the dice, but I kind of, you know, after going through four people and realizing that, that the injuries and, you know, the lack of vital signs was getting worse the farther in I went that, you know, there, the chances of there anything being any better in was probably not there. So when I decided to switch off and go try and save one person, um, you know, it, it, it did kind of, it, I don't want to say it bore fruit, but the decision was actually, I think it was probably the right call because I mean, from what I understand after that, I mean, they were literally, <laughs> Somebody actually transported uh, uh, an obviously dead person that they pulled out and were like, you know, let's just do something because there, there was nothing, you know, there was nothing more really anyone could do. And uh, so, yeah, so somebody actually transported a uh, an obviously dead person after that. And that was, you know, I think that was the only other uh, thing that left a scene with, you know, somebody in the back uh, besides mine. So, you know, it, it was, it was a judgment call and, you know, I know I've, I've beat myself up over it and I've, I've run it over, you know, thousands and thousands of times. And every time we drink, I go over it again and freaking, you know, and then you hear all the freaking birdies that like to chirp because, you know, they think they've fucking been there and done that and got the t-shirt and, you know, they don't know fucking dick and, uh, you know, they've got all the fucking answers and they know their triage left and right. But, you know, again, they weren't there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, I think, honestly, I gave my patient the, uh, the, the best chance I could. And it was just, it, it was an MCI in a place that was not prepared for an MCI. Well, and, and that, you know, um, you had to make that choice of, you know, yeah, I got to take the triage hat off, but you know, yeah. I mean, if I was in your, like we were talking last night, if I was in you know your position, uh, to do, to do that again with everything you had. Yeah. That's how, the, that's how every place should be. And there should not be an excuse why every system is not like that. Yeah. You know, go ahead. Kelsey. Excuse it. It shouldn't be the excuse. Right. Yeah. No, I agreed. Money should never be the excuse, you know? Yeah. Can't put a price on human life. Yeah. Um, I was going to say like, you know, obviously you two have firsthand experience with MCIs and you know, you can practice in class as much as you want and, you know, you can have the best education going forward. And like, I could walk out more prepared than how you walked out more prepared at a class. Cause every year the program programs change and things evolve. But at the end of the day, we even run a basic STEMI call and we all sit there and we're like, wow, I could have done X, Y, Z better. And so yep. the scope of what providers are handling after they handle an MCI, you're going to be running that call and being like, I could have done X, Y, Z better. But 
the call's over and you did everything you did with what you had at that time. And the only thing you can do is go out. Hopefully it never happens again. But if it does, do better the next time. And tell the people who have not never done it before what you would have done better. Because maybe that one thing sticks with them. So when it's their worst day ever and they show up and that's their cards that they have to deal out and hold that they have just a little bit more knowledge than you did walking into it. And I'll tell you, and Phil, I'd like to just hear your opinion on this statement, but you know, again, being that it was the first really big MCI that, that I had done again, the, you know, four person car accident doesn't really count. It does, but it doesn't, um, you know, going in apprehensive to the call was, Sure, it happened. Anybody would be. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you that I think if I didn't have 15 years under my belt as an EMT, an intermediate, and then now paramagician, I don't know if I would have played that role as, as I did on that scene because it felt... Getting out of my truck, I was like, okay, resource management, triage. Like, it's like ABCs in your head. You're thinking, okay, scene safety, BSI, ABCs, blah, blah. And I was thinking resource management, triage, resource management, triage. Like, this is the only two things I was thinking about as I'm walking over. And then, you know, as you start doing it, it literally felt like riding a bike. Yeah, I lost him too. it was... Right. It was just there. He is. Yeah, it was just simple. Yeah. Sorry if I lost you guys. Um, yeah, we lost you for. Yeah, so, I think we got the gist. Yeah, so you know, going from apprehensive to a you know in a scary atmosphere to feeling like you're doing okay in the madness. Is that an experience thing, or is that like just? a, you know, four-week-old EMT paramedic person could do that. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for me, if I was in your shoes, I'd be sweating like Mike Tyson in a spelling bee. <laughs> um, But, I'd, like, in school, we ran through a – we mostly did it for, like, mass shooter. Yep. Um, Stuff like that. And, I mean, it's really quick, you know. Like, in class, I got four or five dummies – lined up on the floor. So like you said, a micro MCI. Yeah. Um, and no, I've only really had, you know, two experiences as micro MCIs. Um, and it's really just, it gets to muscle memory at a point, but I'll shoot myself in the foot and say, I do, I did get tunnel visioned when I first had to triage more than say two people. Cause one was more critical than the other. And I'm like, I got to get, you know, this, this, and this done. Right. Because this is going to keep them alive. Um, and thankfully, my partner had 10-plus years on the job, and he said, hey, yeah, go take care of these other three people. I got this. And just keep going around in a circle until you get another set of hands, another medic. We ended up getting, like, an ALS fire department yep. from – the neighboring city over and I said here 
you want to wear this fancy little yellow vest. <laughs> it's yours. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it, it was one of those things where I felt bad afterwards because, again, I didn't treat anybody. I just, you know, Phil would walk on scene. I'd be like, okay, there's your patient. This is what's going on. Go fix it. Yeah. And then you were dedicated to that person. You know, Kelsey would walk on scene and be like, hey, okay, cool. You're BLS. You can go over or, you know, now you're ALS. You can go over and you can deal with this patient. That's what happened to them. There you go. Go fix it. But there were, you know, first responders on that scene that I was like, you're a CFR. You have training. Yes. Yeah, Do your training. Cross and push them along. Right. Like, I'm not going to handhold. Tell you. me you, if something changes. Right. You know what needs to happen. Tell me what you find and then deal with it. And yeah, CFRs, there's all the walking wounded. Go get me vital signs and medical histories and yeah, shit. Yeah, and I think, right. you know, you know? Yeah. they taught us when I was in EMT school was if you roll up on an MCI with, say, like 15 people, hey, if you can walk and it's not like, you know, in the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan where, if, like, the guy bends over and picks up his arm like it's a suitcase. Yeah. Right. <laughs> go, go over stand over there by that you know big red fire truck right get him away if you can walk and you're not hurt over there yeah and then i can dedicate triaging to the most critical who maybe you know open femur fracture um a partial amputation yeah and start to think like okay i can request say two helicopters and at least in this area we can have the ability for a doctor to show up on scene yep and you know, now we don't have to worry about picking up the phone to call for orders as long as they're a Remo, Remo doc. Right. Yeah. Whatever region you might be in. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, and that was, you know, again, logistics to consider, you know, and, and one of the big things that, you know, every MCI has to consider, and this is why you get the aircraft involved is overwhelming your, your hospital population. Right. You might only have one or two options in your immediate area and they can and, you know, your logistics officer is like, hey, yeah, I they can only take eight patients. These guys can only take one. And, you know, you might have 26 and you're like, OK, well, now where are they going? Yeah. You know, that was the first was... question I asked you when you told me that you actually, you know, sent people, you know, intact away from the scene you know, to go, you know, to definitive care. And my first question to you was, could they handle them? Right. Well, <laughs> and and that's like, oh, yeah, no, we, yeah, we called ahead and made sure and all that shit. Yeah, yeah no, and, you have to do that. And that was, the, you that know, was what I. Go ahead, Kels. I was going to say, when we were talking about the helicopters for, I was actually thinking about that because say you work, you know, city EMS and you've got a level one trauma center 10 minutes away. In your mind, an MCI would probably be the, that'd probably be the best place to have one. But when you have, you know, some, I don't know, some major MCI, you got 30 patients and 20 of them need a level one trauma center. Like you probably actually still want a helicopter yeah. because you got to send 15 of them down two hours away because the level one is already dealing with whatever else they've got going on that day well, or they're on full diversion. Yeah, that's and, literally almost exactly what I when we were talking last night. That's literally like almost what I said when he was like, "Yeah, they I sent you know this many there, whatever." And I was like, "You kept the choppers coming, right?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, exactly, because yeah, yeah. If if they can only handle three and you've got eight, 
they got to go somewhere else. Right. And you who know? knows when four STEMIs are going to walk in through their front door. Right. You know, and, and originally I told you I could take 12 yeah. and now I can take six. And I'll tell you, you know, Jess will tell you over and over and over in all of her, you know, Heme's utilization classes, call them for MCIs so that they can transport not just the critically sick, they can but disperse. Them. They can disperse because they can fly right. two hours away to a level one or two or three or whatever, and it disperses everybody. And right. if you're still operating, they'll come back and take another, you know, because yep. they can transfer people quicker. Um, so, yeah, always utilize aircraft. Like, it, it's it's a godsend. And, you know, in my case, we ended up not needing them because of distance. Um, they were just too far away, and I had eliminated everybody. And it was like, oh, I'm not going to send a green tag on a helicopter. Like, I'll just send them in a truck. It'll be fine. Right. You know, but, um, you know. Oh, I guess. Right, you know, and, and, and that was just, you know, how that went. But in your case, Gerard, imagine if, you know, all of the, you know, black tags – were red tags and you had, yeah. you know, you had five helicopters coming. You're going to utilize every single one and you're going to say, Hey, get back in service and come back to me. You know, and probably speaking start, of tags, probably to go find see if, you know, maybe we can get a few more from somewhere else. Exactly. I don't care where. Yeah, exactly. If it's like a instance with prolonged extrication or maybe there's like a scene safety issue, like a boating accident where it's going to take them longer to get to, the patient and bring them to you in that kind of scenario, you can always just have the helicopter land and say, you're hanging out with us. I'm Yeah. You're I'm two not, extra critical care providers. Yeah. I'm not going to cancel you like around here. They do the flight service does interfacility transports. Yep. I'm not going to say, Oh no, you know, yeah, we don't need them. Don't bother putting them on standby. Right. And then, and then you end up needing them and they're going to Gilboa. And yeah. on the way back, they're like, oh, we got to land. There's a there's a cloud over Japan and a headwind from Russia. We, we can't do it. Sorry. So. Yeah, it's so true, though. You know, you, like. Chihuahuas. Don't. Do not waste your resources. Yeah. You know. I'd much and, rather have them there and get smacked on the wrist saying, you know, you shouldn't have kept them that long than. To the last, last second. Exactly. To have them land and then. Now it's even more of a clusterfuck than it already was. Right. Yeah. So Kelsey, what did you want to say about tags? Because I didn't use any. So. <laughs> okay. Well, you didn't use letters. any. Anyways. <laughs> I didn't use any. If, if you have like. Hold on, I'm getting weird feedback. I'm it like pull totally myself over microphone. here. Yeah, how many? It's my fault. I'm sorry. Hello. 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 Well, I was trying to make sure I didn't get feedback. Okay. Um, oh, my God. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Hello? Hello. Does that fix this? That fixes that. That fixes it. Okay. Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it did for about a Crap. second. You need to put the Jeopardy <laughs> waiting music on right. the soundboard. <laughs> I don't even know how to fix this. We is, should keep talking. Is the there best. a speaker? Like, are you yes, talking in, but you don't have headphones into your phone? I plugged the headphones in, and that's what was giving the feedback. I don't have headphones in now, and it seems to be fine. Okay. 
Don't jinx yourself. Yeah, don't jinx yourself. No, no. Um, I was going to say, because this was something that I didn't know until I went to paramedic school, that say you have, you know, if you have 15 people, you might be able to mentally tag them. But if you have 72, you probably actually are going to have to use those tags or you're never yeah. going to remember who needs to be where. Yes. That is and 100% the thing fact. about the tags that I was going to say is I didn't know this. I always just thought there was green, yellow, red, and black. And like your green where you're walking wounded and your black where you're you're dead, dead. Or freshly dead, or you know, just dead. But there is red with the blue folded over, and that means not dead yet, but expected to die. So basically, if like, well, that's the cheery one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. Is that new? Yeah, so like if you're seeing signs of Cushing's triad, but, you know, yeah, you and don't, you, you don't have thirty minutes till your ambulance gets there. Not dead yet, but expected to die. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought you still just like, yep, they're gonna be a black tag. So here, preemptively black. <laughs> no, so you red tag them with the blue folded over, so that way, when all of your red tags are transported, and so say you get through your red tag, you can reassess, and if they're still alive at that point, you can then make the decision: Are we gonna transport them? You know, if you get through all of your patients and they're still alive, you can then transport them, and you didn't leave them there. Huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Ain't that interesting? See, this so is basically why we your like priority go like red, yellow, green, and then red with the blue folded back over. That's awesome. See, this is yeah. why we like to have you here, Kelsey, because you bring all of this new knowledge that we don't know yet. Well, I didn't know that either until, and I don't know if it's every tagging system. I think some of them are like a white tag or like they have a different color, but it's not dead yet, but expected to die. So basically, you don't dedicate your resources to them until the end. You know, maybe you look at them before you ship oh. off your green tags, but it refactors them back in without completely black tagging them. You know, and maybe they actually made it to the hospital and they could have donated their organs. You know, maybe they still died, but they got to do something good after all. It just gives them a second chance when they're not actually dead yet. That's yeah. yeah, that's that's really good information. Thank you for that, Kelsey. Um, I try. So so I have I have something that I want to get off my chest, but I'm going to hold off for just a second and just say, is there anything that you guys want to talk about that we haven't touched base on yet w with MCIs, opinions, thoughts, techniques, skills, ideas, whatever? I guess I, I have a question. I mean, yeah, go ahead with your question. Do it. Um, so how do you guys feel? This came up actually when we were doing MCI day in class. Say you have a bradycardic child who needs ventilations and mom and dad are walking wounded. Do you let mom or dad ventilate the kid? No. No. Do you have or do yeah, you just do black you, tag the kid? Do you have extra hands to do that or are you like Gerard by yourself? You are literally handing dad a BVM and going, this is what you're going to do and walking away. No. no. Yeah, because that's going to, I mean, no. both incidents no. are going to no. scar the dad for life. Exactly. And it's one thing to hear dad, here's some hope. Do and this and work. then it die. Oh, you gave your kid a freaking embolism. Sorry, man. You know, shit. Right. Then just, you know? hey, this was horrific, and sorry your kid didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so this was a conversation that had came up in class, and it was 
basically like there was some people that were like you know the as awful as is he needs to face that reality and there were other people that were like you know but some people they may want the chance that they did everything they could and it still didn't work out and then other people were like yeah well your patient next door needed that bvm and now you don't have it i mean well, unless, unless they're trained dmt then then they have done all they can well and that's it are they so does that change the cards do that? if they have medical training if they're an emt and they yeah and they say hey i'm an emt i, I can beg here you go dude i'll find me another one right in that you case, know. it does change. Hey, if you're Joe Schmo and, you know, you're, as Gerard would say, you work in a bank. Sorry. No. But if you're, if you're. You Joe, are the guy that went to law school. Right. Yeah. If, if you're, you're. If you're like a rescue Ricky, then don't stand anywhere near me. But, you know, like, that's it. Like, if you are trained as a nurse and you have pals in ACLS or you're a paramedic or an EMT or a CFR or something and you are willing to take that job on, then, yeah, hey, try it out. I'll find another PBVM somewhere. You know, it, it really, again, these are all situational things. It's not just black and white yeah, and that's kind of our rolling gag throughout all of EMS. There's so much gray area. I don't know how Gerard has survived this long. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, that's why it's nice if you look at, like, the flowchart. It almost, to a certain extent, it takes a lot out of it. But then, you know, you do have to factor in prolonged extrication or entrapment or resources or where are they going to go or are they going to be a black tag or a red tag or do they have the little blue tab folded over? Right. And to a certain extent, yeah. you can take about – 60% of the emotion out of it and the finagling in the situation. And you can base it just on the flow chart, but the other 40 really does come down to you. Oh, I, I hate to break it to the people who make these charts and stuff. I mean, they're great and they're good training tools and you know, how are you going to learn, you know, the way things should flow by not, you know, following something like that, an algorithm or whatever. But yeah, the one thing that you can never put into a chart and factor in is the fucking chaos, just the utter fucking chaos that's going on around you. And especially, you know, if you're in a place where you don't have a lot of fucking resources and it's just pure fucking chaos, you, can't, you that doesn't fit in your chart. We're completely fucked, completely fucked. We're completely fucked. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying throw it out the window. I mean, that, that you have to have some form of, you know, uh, structure to fall back onto and to keep in your head, but don't not think outside the box. Don't, don't be rigid in your thought process when it comes to this shit, because, you know, it's just, it's fucking chaotic. And I will say it is really, that was something that I, I experienced uh, with, this MCI that I was a part of in that it was controlled madness. It really mm. was. You had 60 providers on the scene between paramedics, EMTs, wow. CFRs, fire, police. You know, it was a zoo. But no, everybody had a purpose. Even if it was like the old codger that, you know, has been volunteering with their rescue squad or fire department that showed up and was just chilling by the truck, you know, like they had a purpose. They were holding up the truck, you know, like it didn't knock over. Mm -hmm. It didn't fall. 
they were holding the sailing bag, actually. You, you know, right. they, they did something. But it really, like, if if the people at the top were not controlling the madness, I could see where it would fall off the rails. Like I like I could see where it would just go completely AWOL and just implode. Yeah. You know, it it really is a fine line that you tread. And I never realized that until I get thrust in one and it's like, oh, okay. And you know, it's funny, like I it, it was <laughs> I was talking to a provider that um that is a listener of this show. So here's your shout out. You're awesome. You did amazing. Cause we were both there and um, he had mentioned something to me that I didn't even realize myself. Again, I was in, this is, this is real. Like I got to produce, you know, like Jordan showing up to every game. Okay. This is, this is the real thing. We got to lay it down. Did you have your tongue out? No, I did not. I did not, uh, not once. Um, but I, I walked around, I did my job, and then as it started ending and as it was winding down, there was a lull where I didn't have to keep doing what I had been doing all of this time. And I stepped back and I sat down and by that time, I had had my gloves off, so I didn't throw those away. But I sat down, and I finally just was like, fuck this shit. <laughs> like, I had been completely and utterly serious. Game mode to the max until that point where I was just like, the old me is coming out like, fuck this, man. This is such bullshit. And he was the only one that noticed that. Like, he was like, you were like, boom, right there until that was like your moment where it's like, okay, now we're good. And, and really, I'm sure, you know, Gerard, you had that moment, you know, I've seen the pictures. You had your hat on backwards. You were in go mode, you know, and you finally have that mode where it's like, all right, I'm good. You know, we, we did okay. And that was kind of it for me, you know, was realizing like, yeah, that was fucked okay, let's move on, you know, but it's just something that you're going to have to deal with, you know, Um, and leading into that, I am going to get something off my chest that we have to deal with on scenes. I I was just going to say one, one, one real thing that goes along with that. Go ahead. So if you, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to like, like I'm shitting on it or anybody because I'm not, I'm I'm fucking ecstatic and like super fucking proud of you because when I saw the pictures I saw on the freaking TV, I mean, when you were telling me, you know, oh, I had things all lined up, uh, you know, and also I'm looking at the team, I'm like, yeah, he sure as fuck did have them all lined up. It perfectly worked. Fucking, they were nut to butt the whole way down the fucking highway. Yeah, it was great. I you know? li- it literally was broken arrow from We Were Soldiers. Like, it was the coolest thing ever. It was great, you know, and, and you know, I mean, for – I, I'm, I don't know how anything turned out or anything like that. I'm, I don't know if you do or not, but I don't, I mean, but everyone seems to have from the reports that I saw, you know, everyone left the scene, you know, still of this world. And uh, so, yeah, so sit down, have that cool. You know, everything worked out great. Awesome. You know, everyone did a good job. Great. To the guys that end up on the other end of the stick where you have an outcome that isn't good. 
and you don't have that moment where you get to sit back and go, Hey, this was great. You know, fucking everything worked good. Congratulations, everybody. And all that, you know, as the paramedic, remember that you're also the people, other people are looking, you're the ones people are looking at, you know, to kind of gauge whether or not they did everything they could do, you know? And yeah, I mean, it's hard to kind of, I know for me, like I wanted to kind of just crawl into my fucking, you know, car and just, you know, disappear for a while, but I didn't, I got out and I grabbed my old bad vice and went and had a cigarette with a couple people and, you know, then went around to all the firemen and, you know, as the police recording things off and, you know, as many shoulders as I could, you know, give a chuck to, I did. And, you know, said, yeah, y'all fucking phenomenal guys. Great. You know, y'all did a real, real good job, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it really does mean a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Don't just, don't just melt back into it. You know, if you have a great outcome, great. Jump up and down, pop the fucking champagne. You know what I mean? It's fantastic. Especially when it all comes together, you know, but when it doesn't, don't, don't take that time to, you know, just kind of slither away, you know, be there for everybody else. Yeah. And, and you know what, we, we've talked, you know, in, in length about the mental health aspect after these types of incidents, you know, they're, they're at times once in a lifetime incidents, you'll never see this again. And you are affected by it deeply, you know, and, and that is something that you have to realize and understand and carry with you um, and make sure that you are open and honest about it, you know, and, yeah. and we have so many episodes about, you know, about that. And, you know, it's, it's always been a running theme about the mental health of this show and the providers that yeah, the we providers. all care about, you know, all of us right. are doing this together. You know, my, my mental health is not more important than Phil's or Gerard's or whoever's. And, you know, we all have to care for each other. And that's a big aspect of it. Gerard is going around and giving people the kudos and giving people the, Hey, are you okay? You just worked on this. Like, do you need a break? You know, if you, if you can get it, um, and, uh, and dealing with all of that, you know, and again, this, this, something is gnawing at me about these types of scenes and other scenes. It's not just MCIs, but it's always your significant calls. And you know what? I, I am going to not specifically bad mouth, um, you know, a particular person or, you know, whatever I am going to more or less attack the group. And, because I don't feel that it is morally their place to be there. And that is the non-press whackerdoos that like to take photos and videos and then for their fucking own jollies post it on social media. I can't stand those people. Honestly, my message to you and and I don't I honestly we lose listeners for this I don't care because this is this is the truth dealing right. with this type of situation that le- you know I saw that at this incident and I'm sure that they were at Gerard's incident and I'm sure they've been at a hundred other incidents and then you go on social media and you see that it's already posted and you're just like right. why. What are you a fuck like? What are you accomplishing? Are you telling people not to drive down a certain road? Who cares? 
Like the news will do that. That is their job. Yeah, that's what all the flashy lights on. Um, Google Maps gives you that lovely little orange line. Exactly. Like it is their job. You are not the press. You don't own a badge to do news. Don't show up. You're not needed. You are a waste of my space. Like you don't belong there. And I don't know why these people believe that, oh, well, we're documenting the fire department and the news. No, you're not. You're right, not. I know. And it's, so, it it's, it's, it's voyeurism. It's, it it's, exactly. it's vulture. the fuck out of me at this. I don't know. I just don't yeah. think there's a place for it. it. In a professional atmosphere, I don't think there's a place for it. There's always going to be a place for it. It's it's not there isn't a place for it. It's just that's the way it is, man. It's I, gonna it's gonna be there. I know, you know? And, it, and that's the thing. It shouldn't be. Put it on OnlyFans. I'm, I don't care. I'm pretty sure when Julius Caesar got stabbed, some dickhead was there with a fucking stone tablet and a fucking thing. <laughs> going, Hold the pose. One second. Hold them up. You know. Let me get this. Um. I'll get a Michelangelo real quick. You know. The other thing <laughs> that annoys me personally is those stupid Facebook groups. Oh like my the God. fire buffers. Yeah. Like you'll see, you know, an incident on the news and then you'll go on social media and there's 900 posts, you know, Prayers. word for word yet. Like, oh, there's, then now they're sending another fire truck here. Yeah. Who cares? Right. Nobody cares. Like, we'll put it on your scanner. But clearly, you, you wouldn't want fire any of that Jones stuff forgot to tie his well, freaking bunker gear. Yeah. And that's it. You know, think about... <laughs> You know, you are you are you are actively perpetuating information to the masses, right? So, you know, if you put out the dispatch information because you were listening to your scanner, right? Yeah, it's not breaking a HIPAA violation, but people still know. Right? But people know. People that I were mean, there know, right? And now now it's assumptions right and the comments See, I, oh, hold on Gerard. the comments go wild in oh well i heard it was 12 patients oh well i heard it was 27 close. patients oh well i heard it was 46 patients one of them was like you know blown up on a rocket there right prayers <laughs> and thanks prayers and thanks oh my god thoughts and prayers and it goes <laughs> on forever yeah. and again what are you actually accomplishing from this other than, oh, my post blew up. My whole thing is, like, how many times on this show does Emily say it's their emergency, not ours? And in this case, it's not even talking about the fact that, like, oh, as a paramedic, like, just because they're having the heart attack doesn't mean that you need to be freaking out because it's their emergency, not yours. But how would you feel if that was you and you were the person in the MCR? It was your house that was burned to the ground. It was your car that was flipped upside down. Did we lose Kelsey? Come back. Grandmother oh, knows about it or has made up some bullshit lie about how you were drunk while you were driving and this is what happened or whatever other thing that may come out of this because, you know, we never have these events in big cities where nobody knows anybody. It's all the small towns. Yeah, and I mean, and I would even... Oh, God, it's sorry. to the point sorry. where it's like all you're doing is how would you feel if that was your life that you just went through that or... Maybe it was your husband, and you haven't heard from him, and you knew he was traveling, and now you learn from the news that, wow, that car really looks like his, and you can't find any information, and you're just calling and calling. 
Not even like, a real news. That would make you feel right. that much right. more shittier Somewhere. after the worst day of your life. Yeah. Some well, random fuck on Facebook, you know, driving past, pulls over and starts recording it. And now, like she said, if it's, you know, your husband, wife, mom, dad, now you're like, wow, looks like his car. Yeah. Now right. you're worrying. Now you're freaked. Trying to get a hold well, of him. Yeah, I mean, no, I was going to say, first you have to assume that they would even ask those questions to themselves because they're probably they're probably not wired for that. They're, they're, they're fucking vultures, so they're not even going to question whether or not, you know, they're going to do any kind of damage to somebody else, you know, as long as they get what they want out of it. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's like, I'm all for, you know, free press, whatever, but you know, at some point in time you have to, you know, take that, take a step and say, okay, we can be all free press and shit in a, in a minute, you know, let's give it a minute. Or I can thank ABC ambulance for what a great job they did on that call. And thank you to my partners at this fire department and that fire department for showing up mutually to help us out with this really great structure fire. And here's right. a photo of our fire trucks, but not the person's house. Right. right. The next you know, day. You can right. give yourself the shout out and promote the fact that, hey, Turk, hey, Gerard, you guys did bang up jobs in a call that, you know, we can't ever actually prepare you for. Congratulations. Thank you so much for everything you did for those people without... Yep. Ever telling anybody who you are, where you work for, how many people there were, right. or exposing any of their lives. Right. You know, and right. that's it. Like, it, it, there is a time and a place for everything. And in, in, situations, okay. in situations like this, you know, whether it be the car accident, the, you know, plane accident, the whatever incident it might be, you already know that your local news is going to send a truck. Right. Right. They're going to stand behind the press line and they're going to do reporting. They're going to send a reporter that's going to ask questions to the proper people. They're going to get information back and then they're going to report it in a manner that is professionally um, done. There's etiquette there. You know, they're going to be from, you know, 100 yards away. They're going to show the flashy lights, but they're not going to show anything else going on. Yeah. You know, right. and it's it's going to be tastefully done. Yeah, or it's those generic stock videos. Right. That fire truck pulling out of a station. Right. With its lights on. Something, right? Not this. Not when yeah. you are in the mix acting like one of the first responders and you just happen to have a camera and you are snapping away, and then you post it on Facebook, and, you know, another person picks it up and is like, oh, well, go follow this person. They're phenomenal. Look at what they're doing. Fuck off. You and the worst thing about that, too, there. is especially in, like, MCI situation where there's a lot, lot going on. There's scene safety issues, whatever. At some point or another, you are just becoming another patient. And now you just put your emergency that you created yourself all over the Internet. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I was gonna say, and even and Sammy, who's sitting next to me, uh, actually brought up a good point too. I mean, yeah, these people don't have any type of journalistic standards. So, oh yeah, there's a nice picture of the fucking license plate number, right? You know, well, and or that's if it's an it. airplane, there's the, there's the tail number. So now, if you know your loved one and that's their car, you now you know for sure that your loved one is dead, and no one's giving you any kind of you know professional 
notification or anything like that. Right. There's HIPAA standards to follow. It's the same thing as asking your provider what's the worst call they've ever done. Why on earth do you want somebody, the provider, the patient, whomever it may be, to relive the worst day of their lives? Because that's what we do. We show up for people on the worst day of their lives. And no point in time should Joe Schmo pretending to help have to make somebody go through that again and again every time it pops up on their Facebook feed for a million strangers who know nothing about them to be like, oh, thoughts and prayers. Okay, great. Put them in your thoughts and prayers. You don't need to go post and repost and share it a million and a half times over. Yeah. Well, two two things on that. Uh, yes, yeah, so whenever any just as a sidebar, anyone ever asks, you know, like what your worst fucking call was, especially lay people because they don't really understand. Uh, I, like for me personally, I tell them, oh, that that's real simple. It's the day I watched uh, Butch uh, get somebody else's poop on his shirt. Uh, I I tell them the U.S. healthcare system. <laughs> What's the worst thing you've ever seen? My paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) The healthcare system. (laughs) But second thing I wanted to say was fits right in at this table. He really does. (laughs) That was fucking that was boom swoosh from outside the paint. Uh, dude. That was great. But uh (laughs) but I mean um, to get kind of back to the serious part, like you were talking about scene safety issue. Um, you know, this I'll I'll try and not be as not be very specific, but um, because of those things we were just talking about, uh, there were family members who put two and two together and realized their loved ones were at my my scene, and they showed up to the scene, and there was an altercation with PD because of it. Um, so yeah, you're talking about emotions that you, you can't even freaking fathom are at play and yeah you you're you're putting other people's lives in danger yeah. including yeah. The, the family members who are now completely lost their fucking minds right and i mean All how many what? times do we A get like family members Facebook? that are like i hope it was quick or like how do you think they passed and blah 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 so it's one thing if you know when they go to the hospital or they go to whoever and the they inform them that their or PD shows up on their doorstep and they inform them that their loved one has passed away. It's that much more harder for them to ever get over it when they actually have to witness whatever horrific tragedy ended their life. Yeah. Another thing is like, you know, these calls don't for us as providers, they don't stop at the scene or at the hospital. Like you carry them with you home, like you guys were saying in other episodes about, you know, mental health, checking in on your partners, you know, 99% of the population has social media. So now you're, you could be like just starting to heal yourself and heal your mind and you scroll through and now you see the car with the overturned, right? overturned, you know, whatever RC in the back and it, brings you right back to square one to where right. now you have to think about everything that went that happened yeah you know and, that was, and that's really one of the hardest things is, is escaping it like you know i, I i'm i'm not taking anything away from yours because i mean you know it, it was that was legit there's no doubt about it that was legit oh no but, you you still no. win bro no 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 i ain't no I i'm no you, this is I not a one-up i don't think we want to win, win on that one you can you can you can have mine all day, like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know. 
there, but no, there uh, is still no comparison between mine well, and yours well, at well, all. Well, I'm trying to. Do, I'm, I'm not trying to do it like that. I'm trying to make it the difference between you know a successful outcome and a not successful outcome. Yeah. Um, or not, I shouldn't even say successful, but a, a good one, a good and a bad outcome. You know, even though you're, you know, you definitely did had some some criticals, but you know, you weren't you weren't burying anybody just yet. Right. You know. Um, right. I think, you know, the, yeah, the difference there, you know, it, it's, um, oh, what the fuck was I, how was I going to put it? Yeah. So like, you know, having a good outcome, great. You're probably going to see it on the news for about, you know, a hot minute and that's about it. And then they'll move on to something else. Cause there's, there's no, no bones for them to pick on, um, something of that magnitude. And for anybody else out there that, you know, if you end up with something that's, you know, ginormous and gets a lot of press and isn't the greatest of outcomes. It, yeah, you're not gonna be able to get away from it, man. It, they're going to fucking harp on it and harp on it and harp on it weeks, months, then it'll disappear. And then you'll be okay. Finally fucking get over to shit. And then boom, it'll be back. And Hey, it's the first anniversary. Oh, fuck Jesus. You know? And then, <laughs> They'll talk about it for a week or two. Then there'll be some other thing. Then criminal cases start coming up. Then lawsuits start coming up. And, and you know, years later, you can't get the fuck away from it. So, you know, just be prepared. It's not this thing where you're just going to, you know, okay, boom, rearview mirror, off we go. You know, I don't got to worry about it no more. Yeah, it's not so a if, one and if done. You just, if you just prepare yourself that, you know, this is, it is going to be that way. And my best advice is to do your best to mitigate your exposure to that shit. You know, so like me, I don't really watch the fucking news anymore. I don't give a fuck about it. There's nothing on there for me. It, you know, if I go outside and the, the stone in front of my door is wet, I know it's going to rain. So, <laughs> so I have a question. Yes. Seeing how both of you now have successfully had your hand in an MCI, whether the outcomes were as good or as bad or wherever the cards had fallen, because at the end of the day, you guys did your best and you can't really choose how everything ended up because that's not really up to us for all of us baby providers or even 30 year vets who have never come across this what could you tell us that uh the next time we walk into the shift and our tones drop for some mass casualty incident to remember you go first me go first <laughs> i was looking at you uh no, I, was, I was i was gonna kill it. gerard said not it I'm, I was sorry. I'm in phil <laughs> I was pulling an Emily. Yeah. Um, Gerard, I'm in your seat, so all eyes the other way. But How warm he, is it? He does have a uh, he does have a knack for putting his arm around Kelly, just like yeah. you do. <laughs> so she must be hot. I ain't joking, man. You know? Yeah, we haven't uh, heard anything from from Kelly. Speak up. <laughs> Kelly's only here when I invite her. Damon's um, gonna fucking slit my throat over an imaginary girl right now. <laughs> um honestly so you know it's it's one thing and and you know gerard i i apologize that you know you and i have done a lot of soul searching since your incident went on and um when you called me that night and told me what was going on um, I was speechless for the first time ever. I literally told you I got nothing to say to that. 
So just talk at me and I will stay silent and I will listen. And, you know, and I, I spoke to you after mine. I spoke to my wife after mine. Um, and honestly, the one takeaway that I look at from my incident is that nothing that I had done prior to my incident prepared me for my incident. No schooling. My MCI class that I teach now has to change. Mm. And and I will be, you know, you know me, I'm humble as fuck. Like, I will be the first one to admit it doesn't work. Yeah. Right? Um, it, nothing that I had done prior to this was okay to me go, I am prepared for this. You know, um, I didn't get the Barbies on the floor, but I'm pretty sure the Barbies on the floor would not prepare me for what I did. However, the basics did and trust in other people got me through it. The fact that I could look at somebody and go, you're an EMT, awesome. You know how to bag somebody. Here's a bag, do it. Walk away. You're somebody. You're right. You're somebody. You can do something. And looking at it, it it felt, and, and this is a weird way to explain it, but it felt natural. And I can only say that, that it was experience that I got there to, to make it feel as natural as possible. It was literally, okay, what's wrong with this one? Okay, that one's going to be a green tag. What's wrong with this one? This one's going to be a yellow. Okay, what's wrong with this one? Okay, this one's going to be a red. What's wrong with this one? Okay, that one's going to be another green. And it literally was just keep moving, keep moving down the road. So would you almost say trying to break this down for like all of us who've never been there, that you assessed each indi- patient individually, like they were your only one and then put it into perspective of the whole thing. So almost. So I didn't do a whole lot of assessing and I know that's weird, right? Because I'm the triage guy. What well, I, no, triage isn't assessing. Well, right, right, right. But in, in the senses of I went, there were providers around me, and they I go up to them, what do you have? And they would say, I have a llama that's got back pain and shoulder pain, and they're breathing okay. And I was like, okay, do they have any LOC? Yes. Okay. Are they with it now? Yes. Cool. All right. That one's going to be a yellow tag. And then I'd move and I'd be like, tell me if something changes. Right. And I'd go to the next group of people and I'd be like, what's this one? And they would, and if someone wasn't assigned somebody, I would be plucking EMTs from somewhere or a fireman that was a CFR and be like, this one's yours. I'll be back in a second. Find out what's wrong. And that's how I group together people. So there wasn't a lot of me going around doing what's wrong. Let me find what's wrong. 
You know, there wasn't a lot of that. It was, I am tr fully trusting the competence of every provider there. There was no one on that scene that I thought was stupid that night. Nobody. Everybody. If they told me something, I took it as the gospel. That's what, that's what was wrong. And yeah. maybe that hurt me. Maybe that didn't. I don't know. I'll never know. But that's the way I did it. And as things came to me, I plugged it where it needed to go. Hey, this person needs a paramedic. The first one, that's where it's going. The second paramedic shows up, that's where that's going. The first ambulance, okay, cool. Is my helicopter here yet? No. Okay, that one has to go, so they're going in an ambulance, go. See you later, goodbye. Take that paramedic and go. Right? And that's, that's how it went. And in all of the craziness, like I said, it just felt easy. It was very weird. It was very, very weird, especially after feeling as nervous and apprehensive as I did driving into it. It was yeah. like a flip of a switch. As soon as I got if out of If you weren't truck. nervous, we'd be worried. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, because then you're just not human. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you're a really good liar. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know. But, but, yeah. So that's that's kind of what I would say is. So I finally, I finally figured. Oh, good. Like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, this, now we're still fighting that little delay. So I'm, I, know, uh, I apologize I to our listeners. No, go ahead, dude. No, I, I, I literally was just going to say, you know, take what you get from school and pack it away and then just know that when you get there, you are going to have to rely on everything that you have in your toolbox and just go about it the best possible way you can. There is no second-guessing decisions. You make a decision – and you move on. And that's that's literally what I did. There was no, eh, eh. There would be no hemming and hawing for you, Kelsey. Like, right. none. It was, boom, this is what's going to happen. Next person, boom, this is what's going to happen. Boom. And, and, and it just keep I, moving. I was saying, and to be blunt, that is exactly how you, if, if you, you know, and this is, to, you know, for people listening, whether you're, you know, seasoned or, you know, you're fresh out the box or, you're kind of in that, you know, four year medic kind of limbo, you know, you know, ask yourself that question, you know, are, if, if something like this were to happen, you know, you know, are you really able to maintain that type of composure? You know, are you really able to do that? And if you can't answer that question with yes, then you need to figure out how to get there, you know? Talk to people who've been there and done that and got the T-shirt. Rely on them, you know, do what you got to do to get yourself to that point. Because, you know, when that day happens, you know, you're not going to be able to say, hey, I'm going to phone a friend real quick, you know? Yeah, um, and, and to that point, again, as you talk to those people, like I said, Gerard, you and I's conversations over the years are ingrained in my brain. And... There, you know, there are things that you have said to me that live rent free in my head all the time. <laughs> and, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, we always want to emulate people that we respect. You know, all the all the little kids want to be Babe Ruth, right? They point out to right. the outfield, I'm gonna hit the, you know, the big dinger. Right. And, you know, 
it's it's one of those things. You see somebody that does this successfully, and you take those bits of pieces that they say, this is what I did and how I did it and why it worked. And you keep that in the back of your brain and you're like, okay, they did it. I respect them. And they got through it. And you know what? If I do it and I keep that in my brain, I can get through it. And, right. you know, and it really was. Gerard lived in my brain. Triage, <laughs> resource management. Triage, resource <laughs> management. It's, it's literally all like he was sitting there. Triage, resource management. Triage, resource right. management. <laughs> like over and over and over. You know, and 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 I am I am forever grateful that we had those conversations over the years for me to be like, okay, this is this is how it's gonna go. You know? And um yeah, I mean I think we all influence each other and we just have to take that influence and apply it, you know? Yeah, I mean like you know, even to, to this day, I mean, even with outside the MCI realm, I mean, you know, between you and Butch and even, you know, both you guys getting me through, you know, my MCI aftermath and all that, you know, you, Butch, uh, a couple of the people that, you know, they know who they are, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you got to have, you got to have a support network. You can't just be a freaking lone wolf, you know, and, uh, and expect to, you know, be, survive mentally because especially if it's a if it's a fucking tragedy and if it doesn't fucking work out right. Um, you know, and, and I was, that's what I was going to say was I, I finally realized what the word was I was looking for is contrast. There's the, the contrast between your call and my call, you know, it, it's not that, you know, one's different, one's better, one's this, one's that it, it, there is a contrast. And the contrast is you were able to walk in and almost have a textbook MCI and it was freaking and it's a beautiful thing when you know the well-oiled machine works in contrast I was in a system that wasn't well-oiled and wasn't prepared for that type of thing and you know at that point if you're one of these people who are working in a system like that and you get on scene and you realize that you know like he said someone said oh I got this okay what do you got what do you got you know when I go on and I say what do you got and they go, a car full of people torn to pieces. Go ahead. You know, and you're just like, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, that's when you, you know, the, the, the whole dynamic, you know, has to change in, in your head. It's like, I, I mean, I guess I can go back and start with Kelsey's question is, you know, on the way, you know, really just like I told him, uh, if he looks in his text, he'll see where I told him, just take deep breaths right now. Deep, deep breathing for a good, you know, good couple cycles. And that's going to just go to up in the brain, calm things down a little bit, slow things down a little bit, right? We all know in shooting, right? Mm -hmm. Slow and smooth is fast, right? Yep. That's the same thing in what we do. If you get in there and you're running around in circles, you know, doing absolutely nothing, well, then, yeah, you're, you're yeah, you're fast. I'll, I'll give you that, but you ain't doing a fucking thing. Um but, I'm sorry, Gerard. How many people in EMS run? Well, <laughs> but that you know, I was. Uh, it's I, hope you, springs. You right? do see a lot of people in that chicken with their head cut off. It might not be running, but they're 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 panicking, they're panicking and they're not doing any. They're doing something, 
but they're not yeah. doing nothing anything, helpful, you know. Um, but it, it, it's the great example is the you know the, the story Butch always tells about me and him with the uh, you know the overdose that pulled up outside the station that time. Right. You know, a critical yeah. care a critical care tech and three EMTs run outside literally, and, they, and these actually they did run. They ran out the door. Uh, we finished our sentences on our charts. Then we went outside. <laughs> we we walked out. You know, and there was literally three people moving briskly around this vehicle talking about airways and breathing and this and that, and nobody was doing anything. It was just, yeah, there was just no, you know, purpose to their movement. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you walk up and you realize, Oh, their head is leaned forward. So you put your finger on their forehead and you push their head back and they start snoring. Hey, guess what? The breathing problems just got solved. Yep. You know? So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's the old, uh, wow. I'm really going to date myself. There's a, there's an old movie and it's an old time. It was a talkie. It was called colors from back in the 1980s. And, uh, there was a great line in it. It's a new cop and a veteran cop and veteran cops teaching them the story about how you deal with, you know, with scenes and stuff like that. You know, the two bulls up on the hill, old bull, young bull, young bull says, Hey pop, let's run down there. Looking at all the cows and saying, let's go run down there and fuck one of those cows. Old bull says, nah, let's walk down and fuck them all. You know? Kind of the same principles. Pardon my language and my obscenities for all you people who aren't used to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't. But, think, uh, I don't think there's a lot of people not used to you by now, Gerard. But, uh, Especially if they're on Patreon. Right. <laughs> but, but that's my. But that's my point. I think going into something like that on on route, it's your you know, especially if it's your first one and you know what you're going to. Um, I know for mine, I didn't know what I was going to until I was about halfway there it started off as something completely different and turned into, you know, Holy fucking Jesus. And you're hearing it over the radio. You're not really actually getting any specific dispatch information. So it was just kind of ratcheting up little by little by little. And, you know, I think the hardest thing was not panicking and not, you know, saying like fucking fuck this shit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go home, you know, fuck this. Uh, You know, you, you just start, and I, like I, I like I texted him too. I mean, I, I said, "You're going to the show, and this is this is where you're going to use all that training you got." So it's just like getting called up to you know from the miners. Um, so go out and fucking you know hit one over the fucking deep wall. Um, I did read that you text. Have... Yep. Oh, you did see that. Okay. I did see that yeah. text. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's it's you have to have that mindset that you're you're you know you you know. Sorry to the females. I'm sure I'll go do another four hour course for it, but you literally have to show up on scene dick first. You know, we've got a bad news over here, you know, and if you don't have that attitude, you're, you're going to be way behind the freaking curve, the power curve, you're going to get screwed. Um, and like I said, you know, in, in the contrast, you know, I'm sure if I, was able to take a video of everything I did and everything that went on at that call that I was at and gave it to somebody to, you know, examine, you know, second by second, I'm sure there's probably, you know, a thousand things that could have been done differently or better or who knows. I'm sure this it's the same in mine as well, you know, but it's, but it's, it's being able to have that composure and then looking around at all these other faces that have eyes that are bugged out because they were just at a Saturday barbecue. And now they're looking at this and they've got a big, you know, saw in their hand and they're 
they're trying to cut their way into this thing and they're like, Oh my God, you know, what the fuck have I just gotten myself into? And then they look and they see this guy, you know, or gal with, you know, the patches on the sleeve that say paramedic and they know you're there and you're a professional and you know what the fuck you're doing. So now you have, you know, you're to you for guidance and support. And that look back in their eyes, when you make eye contact that says, you got it, keep going. You know, um, I, I, I don't even know their names, but there was a fuck. I can't even tell you how many were, we, we had that exchange of, of looks and it was just, you know, just keep going and they'd flip their fucking visor back down and go right back in, you know? You know, um, it, it's, it's, it, I, we make jokes about, I was just gonna say, we, we make jokes about the jolly volleys and stuff, but honestly, man, I mean, you, you can't, you, you can't. On calls like that, you're thankful for your driver only who got that patient there safely. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, Gerard, you bring up a, a very good point and I'm, I, I'm going to start winding us down here, but if you, if you imagine, you know, uh, look at field officers on the battlefield, right? Old, old school field officers or, you know, the captains on the pirate ships or whatever, you know, leadership position you can see in, in your mind like that. It's kind of the same, it's kind of the same presence that, you know, whoever is in charge, I don't care if it's the EMT. I don't I care if it's you can the be fireman. An EMT and and I end up in charge. Right. Yeah. I don't care if it's the paramedic. You are, you know, the general that is sitting on your horse and all, and, and you're just sitting there. The wind's blowing in your hair and you're just holding the reins, looking dead straight, looking over your men that are all freaked out. They're all pissing themselves because they're like, we're about to go into battle and we're about to die. Right. And you're just a pillar. You being a pillar makes them be like, okay, I got this. I don't right. CFR, EMT, paramedic, fireman. I don't care what you are. Be yeah. the pillar. Be that pillar. It really, it, because again, everybody, like Gerard said, looks at you and goes, that's the guy who's leading us through this mess. He, They're going to trudge first. I'm going to follow right behind. It's, it's that simple. Yes. You know? Yeah, I was gonna say, and there, there, there most definitely were, you know, other people in that, whether they liked it or not, and they know who they are, uh, who had that same type of role. Yeah. And they, and they were that for their, their people from their departments. And, you know, and I know who they are and they know, I know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah. And like I said, I mean, it, it, we always joke with the jolly balls and stuff, but I mean, yeah, there's just, you just can't put it into words. Um, uh, especially when you have something like this and you see just that type of dedication. It's like fucking, it, it blows me away and it makes me so fucking humble every time I think about it. Yeah. So. Well guys, I think, um, we circled this train a lot and I think there was a lot of good, bad, ugly conversations had and a lot of really good points brought up and, Ultimately, you know, this is not to tell you exactly, okay, you know, we're the best at, you know, MCIs or whatever. You know, we're just 
two guys that had an experience uh, that was the same but different. And, you know, this is a platform where we can share those conversations and, you know, aspects of things. And you guys brought great information, you know, to the table where, you know, there's there's things that Gerard and I don't think about, you know, that you guys do. And, you know, I appreciate you guys for being here for this discussion, you know, and I, I just hope that it makes people think about the next time that they might do it. Because, you know, I heard the dispatch information. You know, the fire department gets dispatched. The ambulance gets dispatched. I get dispatched. And I go, okay, all right, that's a significant priority. And then I'm just like, before it even, you know, happened, I was thinking, okay, it's probably a car accident or it's like a cardiac arrest. Because those are what, you know, those are the one, or it's a fire, you know? And I'm just like, all right, whatever. Like, just another day, and then it's not in literally a second. So there are some lessons from both of our calls that I don't think we touched on that we need to touch on as we close. Okay, go ahead. So rule number one, if you're sick, if you have an owie, (laughs) if you're just not feeling well that day, it's your time to go to work, call in, don't be a fucking hero, stay the fuck home. Let somebody else deal with it. (laughs) Yes. Number two. (laughs) If it's not your shift, don't fucking cover it. Don't do it. Because guys like you don't think things through. (laughs) I feel like this is targeted at me, Gerard. (laughs) (laughs) It's all of us. Uh, Oh, my God. I I was the first one. He's the second one. I am... So bitter at a at a specific human being after all this, right? <laughs> that would not have been my call. It would have been their call, right? But I was trying to be nice. And if it was this there, everyone get, would have walked away. This is what you get for being nice to people. Um, <laughs> so yes, those are guys, the two main the lessons you should take care of. Guys from the Navy will know what that means. You know, never again volunteer yourself. There you go. Damn Skippy. Uh, So, guys, thank you again for joining us. Uh, Hopefully, um, you guys can join us on the uh, 15th of the month. Hopefully, Emily will be here. Uh, Phil, you are literally welcome back whenever. Um, And uh, you have been amazing. Thank you for being an amazing Patreon subscriber and, and fan and friend of the uh of all of us on the show thank you for allowing me to come oh you're like i said you are more than welcome anytime you fit right in uh with the broken skull and the other comment dude done yeah he's 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 in i I might bring a fifth chair who knows um (laughs) sorry kelly (laughs) you seats out you're in (laughs) there you go um All right, guys, till next time, join us on the 15th, sign up for Patreon, and uh, join us on the 23rd of each month. Till next time, guys, stay safe. And I'm going to turn that one over to Phil. Okay, superfan. He just gave you the floor. Oh, God. It's on you, baby. (laughs) There you go. I don't have a drum roll, so it's on you. The silence. (laughs) What do you want me to say? (laughs) Oh, my God. You've now just killed your fandom. Uh,
That's it. <laughs> Done. Kelly, Kelly, you're in. He's out. <laughs> you know what? I think we're going to flip this even more around, and we're going to mm. go to the Brandly New mi- Oh, yes. The, the brand new. You the whole episode. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> the brand new minted paramagician to lead us out the show. Yep. Lots and lots of donuts. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you'd like more information on the podcast or to send us a call to review, visit medicmaterials.com forward slash podcast. To learn more information, like us on Facebook at Medic Materials EDU or watch our weekly instructional videos on the Medic Materials YouTube channel.